Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. This morning we mark both All Saints and All Souls Days, usually celebrated separately. However, the celebrations are also very closely related, and I'll just say a few words about each. On All Saints, we celebrate the great company of saints throughout the ages, many known to God alone. Faithful people in all ages and contexts, sometimes impossible situations, but often not known by name to the Church at large. They form the great communion of saints, gathered around the throne of God, a company into which we are invited as we try to be saints in the world. We sometimes think of saints as extraordinarily special, yet throughout his letters, including today's epistle, Paul refers to his recipients, the recipients of the letters, as saints. For example, in Ephesians 4.12, he writes about the different orders of ministry being given for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to building up the body of Christ. Almost always this use of saints is plural to emphasize that it is the community and its relationships that is the fertile ground of sainthood, not individuals separated from others. Therefore, it would be quite appropriate for me to address you all as the saints of this cathedral. This broad view of sainthood contrasts with the bureaucratic processes of canonization that developed in the Roman Catholic Church, especially in the Middle Ages, and continues with some simplification, but still a great deal of enthusiasm today. In the earliest Christian years, saints were simply acclaimed and remembered upon their deaths. Figures like the Blessed Virgin Mary, the first apostles, or bishops who codified the creeds, or particularly holy figures such as the Desert Fathers, St. Anthony, or much later, St. Francis. However, the crowds were not always right, and various religious orders sought sainthood for their founders, nations for their inspiring kings and queens, and so forth. So processes for making potential saints into official saints or canonization emerged, requiring a close examination of the potential saints' strengths and weaknesses. Because saints pray for us, miracles are required, proof that a potential saint had interceded and brought miraculous healing to sick persons, for example. Sometimes this process took a long time, as in the case of Cardinal Newman, whose insight that doctrine is not static but develops over time made him very suspicious, took him a century to become a saint in the Catholic Church. About 10 years ago, I visited the shrine of Blessed Solanus Casey in Detroit with a friend. Blessed Solanus was a simple Franciscan priest, revered for his holiness, and the shrine is a kind of museum, with the tour ending at his casket. At the time, Solanus's case for state, sainthood was stalled, and the shrine was almost empty, and his promoters discouraged. They'd been waiting for a long time, and Solanus did not advance along the sainthood track very quickly. However, with the election of Pope Francis, and his interest in Franciscan saints, 
interest revived that he has now been canonized. Sometimes canonizations raise later questions about the character of the sainted one. For example, Saint Junipero Serra, founder of the California Missions, whose canonization was opposed by many indigenous groups and whose statutes are, statues are often still defaced by protesters. So much for All Saints Day for the moment. All Souls Day, on the other hand, is for everyone, all the faithful departed, and in some contexts, faithful people of all religious views and of earlier ages. But in the Middle Ages, it too became subject to ecclesiastical bureaucracy, with souls lodged in purgatory, needing the prayers of the faithful on earth to move them along towards paradise. It was common for wills to include a provision for requiem masses to lessen the deceased's time in purgatory. While the saints pray for us, we pray for all souls. Now the English Reformation, of course, which we are the heirs, with its distrust of the cult of the saints with their relics and shrines, rejection of purgatory and prayers for the dead, brought about a lot of changes. The Book of Common Prayer kept the major saints' days, including all saints' days, but All Souls' Day vanished, though pious prayers for the departed, an ancient tradition, continued. But slowly All Souls' Day has returned, and it is now in our Book of Alternative Services. We remember with thanksgiving all the faithful departed who've gone before us, whatever their virtues and flaws, and are united with them too in the communion of saints. And today, in the spirit of All Souls' Day, we shall read some of their names, beloved to us, thanking God for their lives and witness. They rest in the hands of a loving God, awaiting resurrection, and in time we shall join them. Now, today's lessons primarily speak about All Saints' Day, and I'll just reflect a little bit more on sainthood. There is a well-known All Saints' Day hymn, a children's hymn, I Sing a Song of the Saints of God which I'm sure many of us sang as children. I didn't ever manage to make it into a Canadian prayer book, but it's very popular in the Episcopal Church and elsewhere. The first stanza goes, I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. One was a doctor, one was a queen, one was a shepherdess on the green. They were all of them saints of God, and I mean, God helping to be one too. The final verse ends. You can meet them in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or in shops or at tea. For the saints of God are folk like me, just like me, and I mean to be one too. A friend of mine recently, humorously, but with a certain amount of seriousness, called this the, and this is a theological term, the semi-Pelagian view of sainthood. The view that just as we earn grace by our good deeds, we gain sainthood by those deeds. It is perhaps a kind of banking model of sainthood. We accumulate good deeds, God banks them in heaven, and we are rewarded with interest upon arrival there. Now clearly that's not quite right, as today's epistle from Ephesians makes clear. The action is God's in Christ, and we are drawn into that saving and loving action of God's Son in the world. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit and incorporated into Christ, 
with the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. Grace is poured out, and we lead lives of love, kindness, justice, and compassion. St. Augustine, I believe, is closer to the mark. Love God and do whatever you please, for the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Thomas Merton, when asked about sanctity and sainthood, replied, for me to be a saint means to be myself. Therefore, the problem of sanctity and salvation is, in fact, the problem of finding out who I am and of discovering my true self." As Christians, we believe that our true selves are found in relationship with the divine. Strikingly, though Merton lived as a contemplative monk, he was always being driven into relationships with other people, with the world, into situations of injustice, in his time, including the Vietnam War and the experience of other faiths. We come back to the observation that saints is almost always plural in St. Paul's letters. It is the church as a community of believers that is called to sainthood. We need God and each other to grow into our common sainthood. Today's gospel, the Beatitudes, as recounted by St. Luke, provides some expectations for saintly behavior. Blessedness in poverty, hunger, grief, being hated, exclusion, and defamation. For in the end, those situations will be reversed. After warnings about the dangers of wealth, satiety, self-regarding happiness and complacency, Jesus summarizes, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. What is put forth is radical generosity and radical forgiveness. Turn the other cheek, give whatever is asked, and finally the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now many of you may have seen a popular poster that features the equivalent of the golden rule in 13 different religions of the world. Jesus' teaching here did not come out of the blue. As the poster points out, a commentary in the Jewish Talmud reads, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole Torah, the whole law. All the rest is commentary. The resemblances in the sayings from Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and the other faiths are striking. Any legitimate religion seeks the happiness of the other, not their oppression. Indeed, the golden rule gives us a way to approach other faiths in a friendly way. Of course, saints are also sinners. Nelson Mandela, somebody asked him, do you think you're a saint? He commented, I am not a saint unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying. And that's a good definition. We are right to doubt anyone who claims perfection and we are right to be suspicious of spiritualities that try to regulate every small part of our lives in detail. There is a certain wild freedom in being open to the life of a saint. We belong to God, not to the world. Saints should be troublemakers. G.K. Chesterton, whose stock has gone down a bit these days for good reasons, still has many good teachings. He writes, Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, 
absurdly happy and in constant trouble. All those characterizations imply fierce interaction with the world, not withdrawal and passive quietism. Indeed, the great communion of saints with whom, whom we celebrate today encourages us in our saintly ministries, including our disruptions of the status quo. And without doubt in our world today, especially now in the province of Ontario, we need such disruptions. Saints are in it for the long haul, not just the heroic moment. I often come back to a poem by the late American poet, Jack Gilbert, entitled, The Abnormal is Not Courage. He makes the point that it is the long faithful life, not the moment of passionate heroism, that is true courage. Let me read the last 10 lines of the poem. Not the marvelous act, but the evident conclusion of being. Not strangeness, but a leap forward of the same quality. Accomplishment, the even loyalty, but fresh. Not the prodigal son, not Faustus, but Penelope. The thing steady and clear, then the crescendo. The real form, the culmination, and the exceeding. Not the surprise, the amazed understanding. The marriage, not the month's rapture. Not the exception, the beauty that is of many days, steady and clear. It is the normal excellence of long accomplishment. These are words of encouragement to us who feel we may not have been heroic enough. Saints are not just those who have suffered dramatic and heroic martyrdoms, but ordinary folk who have been faithful and whose routine but deeply enriching sainthood grows from day to day. God grant us grace that we may faithfully answer and fulfill our vocation to sainthood with steady and courageous endurance and flourishing and with those whom we name today and all the saints and indeed be troublemakers too despite whatever discouragement comes to us. For all these, the saints, all the saints, and those who have gone before us, we give thanks and praise God for them. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.